Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking about fat loss forever. I think that's good. Do it. Um, okay. I'm all for it. You know, Sama's going to love it. She's going to love it. <laughs> She's going to be like, Sito, I love when your personalities <laughs> come out and you guys joke around. Just I guess because I know you. She's so cute. That's Sama. Sama Bahama. Sama Bahama. <laughs> all right, Nicole. Yes, Daron. I want to talk about fat loss from a forever standpoint. OK, so let's just get right into it. Okay, so we want to kind of do this episode because a lot of people tend to yo-yo. They yeah. lost weight. I gained weight plus 10 percent more. I lost weight. I gained weight plus 10 percent more. I lost weight. I gained weight plus 10 percent more. And then before you know it, you're fat as ever. <laughs> yes. And I created this lifestyle and then I created I a lifestyle. Cre- I didn't create I a lifestyle doing it. I didn't create a lifestyle. <clears throat> All right. I created a temporary lifestyle and I didn't keep doing it. No, sometimes actually I disagree. They do create a lifestyle, but then the lifestyle that they create doesn't match what they thought it would be in order to achieve the goal. And then it becomes a vicious cycle of trying to adhere to all the habits that they needed to change to get there. And then they crash and burn life gets in and yeah things change i mean maybe it's not long term like forever like the quick fix type lifestyle then yeah i would agree with you but i mean i i have had clients that i would say it's more of a mindset thing like just some of the basics like strength training three to four times a week right for fat loss that's something you have to do and well, I'll say that's this. a non-negotiable. Like you have uh, to I'll lift say, weight. I'll say this: anybody that has done it for a long enough period of time, you're able mm-hmm. to kind of fall off the rails a little bit and have it not really affect you as much, right? This is what I used to always tell people. Yeah, exactly. It's, so that's it's, what I'm saying. It's easier to stay in shape than it is to get in shape, right? But, it, but I think what people need to realize is that it takes a very, 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 very long time to get in shape to begin with. I mean, we're talking. Years and years, years and years, right? Yeah. People think, hey, I reached my goal and it's six months in and now I'm in shape. I still don't think at a six month mark or, or even at a one year mark, you truly know what it is to be in shape. Yeah. But my point, I guess, is if you create habits and you get to the six month mark and at the very least, you're consistently going to the gym. Like, we'll take it real basic. You're going three to four times a week consistently. And then one to two weeks, you're right. If you don't go to the gym, no big deal. You get back into it. That's going to happen. I'm talking about the people that or the clients that do a six months, you know, span at the gym. And then they go, I got in shape. Great. I don't have to go to the gym anymore. And then they stop going to the gym thinking they no longer need to be in the gym anymore to keep those changes upheld. You can't do that. You, you this need, is, that's what forever means. <laughs> you need to be going through these motions as a, truly a lifestyle change. 
Yeah. And whatever you did to get there is now what you need to continue to do to maintain that. Yes. So let's dive into the journey to achieve fat loss. And then let's talk more about how to sustain and maintain that fat loss. Okay. So how do we lose fat? First and foremost, you have to create a goal. That goal has to be a realistic goal. Yeah. So let's give an example of creating a goal. Okay. Let's let's say you have a 30 pound weight loss goal and you say, I want to, I want to achieve that in, I don't know, six months. Is that reasonable? Mm-hmm. You want to achieve that in six months. So Nicole, what are you going to have to do to achieve that weight loss or fat loss? You have to go to the gym. You have to create a calorie deficit to get adequate sleep. You have to eat your protein, balance your carbs and fat. You got to take care of all that stuff. So what let's else? start. What let's am start, I missing? Let's start with the calorie deficit. Okay. So let's start with how to create a calorie deficit. Okay. So in order to create a calorie deficit, you're going to need some kind of method of evaluating or estimating what your resting metabolic rate is. So let's talk about resting metabolic rate. I look at resting metabolic rate and I define that as the number of calories that it takes for your body to sustain life. So if you were to wake up in the morning and do absolutely nothing but just breathe and be and exist, how many (laughs) calories does it take for you to sustain life? How many calories does it take for your heart to continue to beat, mm-hmm. for your lungs to continue to function, gas exchanges, nutrient breakdown, neurotransmitters to work, hormones to continue to be released, right? Like all of those mm-hmm. metabolic processes. Yes. How many calories does it take to just to do that so that you can live? Okay. So we say we create 1500 calories as an so, example. Okay. So let's say that at rest, you burn 1500 calories a day and you want to create a calorie deficit, what you don't want to do is you don't want to create a deficit to your resting metabolic rate because then you're going to have what you and I have talked about, that metabolic adaptation, mm-hmm. where if you're under eating calories, that's going to be dangerous because you're not you're slowing down your resting metabolic rate. So let's say you eat 1,000 calories a day and your resting metabolic rate is 1,500 calories a day your metabolism will adjust because it goes into a mode where it's like, hey, you're not feeding me enough. So I need to slow down the production of energy for my bodily functions. Mm -hmm. And I'm only going to burn a thousand calories a day because otherwise I can't survive. Right. So the goal is not to create a deficit to your resting metabolic rate, but to create a deficit to your total daily energy expenditure. Mm-hmm. And the pieces of your total daily energy expenditure are your resting metabolic rate, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which you're walking around, you're at work, you're typing, you're thinking, right? All the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis requires calories. That's mm-hmm. about 20% of your total cal- caloric expenditure. Another mm-hmm. 10% is going to come from the workouts that you do. Mm-hmm. And another 10% is going to come from the thermic effect of food. So the Mm -hmm. foods that you're eating, which we'll talk about in a moment, why choosing certain foods are going to be more favorable to burning calories, creating a calorie deficit and uh, losing body fat. Uh, We'll talk about that in a moment. But those are the components, right? So Mm -hmm. you've got your total daily energy expenditure and you want to create a deficit to the total that is still above your resting metabolic rate. Mm -hmm. So for example, if we estimate based on, and for this, we can use a Mifflin equation. And for those of you guys listening that use an app like MyFitnessPal, MyFitnessPal actually uses the Mifflin equation. Those of you using MyFitnessPal, you want to make sure that your goals are up to date and you are 
you've plugged in your height, your age, your weight, your level of activity. Mm -hmm. And then that'll spit, spit out the calories. That's the Mifflin equation, right? Yeah. Or you can find like a Mifflin equation calculator online. You could just Google Mifflin equa equation calculator. I think, uh, Nicole, you also like to use the TDEE calculator. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Google search, it'll come up. It's like the first thing that comes up. Either one of those things, one of, they might be slightly off from each other, but it's going to give you a roundabout of how many calories you burn with your activity and what your resting metabolic rate is. Mm -hmm. So you want to create a calorie deficit that's somewhere in between that. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're, we use the example of 1500 calories a day that you're burning at rest. And let's say with all of your activity, it's 2,500 calories mm -hmm. or 2000 calories. Let's call it 2000 calories. Mm -hmm. then you want to create a deficit of, let's say, 200 calories to the 2000. So you want to eat like, let's say, 17 or 1800 calories a day. Mm -hmm. And that is your deficit. And that is where you're going to uh, have the Start. most success decreasing body fat. You want to have a starting point. Like I, I do it a, a wee bit differently. I do use the TDEE calculator, but I use that if I am um, the TDEE calculator, you need your body fat percentage. So if you don't have your body fat percentage, that one can be challenging. I've also used really simple methods like your body weight times 10. So if I weigh 130 pounds and I multiply that times 10, 1300 calories is my resting rate or even a starting, like your starting point. Like there are very simple ways to do it if you don't have all the like a ton of information or you don't want to track in my fitness pal. It's a basic guideline, basic. Okay. But what I usually will have people do is since we have the body fat machine in the gym, and I do use the TDEE calculator, I'll get their body fat machine, the body fat estimate, estimate, because nothing's set in stone. And I'll use the TDEE. And if you use that, it'll show you the resting metabolic rate, sedentary, light activity, moderate activity, heavy, and then athlete. It literally gives a range of activity in terms of calories, right? And it'll define that in terms of frequency. Right. How many and days a week do you work out? Right. And the reason why I bring this up is because so many people get fixated on one number. Like this is my resting. This is my TDEE. And then those are the set numbers and I can't ever go away from them. And it's, it's not that set in stone. There's a range. So if my resting is 1500 and I do light activity, it's usually like another 200 calories. It'll go 15, 17, 19, 2100, 2300. It's literally like a 200 calorie increase most of the time. So anyone that ranges from your resting metabolic rate at 1500 to an athlete can range anywhere from 1500 calories to like 23 to 2500 calories. And that's not even counting a, a build phase. Like if you actually wanted to put on muscle could go even higher. So well, the then you're range, talking about a surplus, right? So we're just right. You know, my point being as to bring this up for the listeners is that the range can be pretty broad, which is why you can't get fixated on the number. So one of the things that I will do with clients at the beginning is once we get their resting metabolic rate and I do their TDEE and I get their range, then I'll have them start in my fitness pal with zero as their calories. Like I'll have them cancel everything out and just journal their food in for the week with no calorie intake goal. I say, just eat what you've been eating journal it into my fitness pal and see where you fall on a range because some days they'll be at like 1500. Some days they'll be at 1900. Some days they'll be as low as 1300. So I get to see what their general range within that, uh, within that seven day. And then I'll start from there for, if I know they're 1500 is their resting and they're eating about 2000, if they're really high, then I'll pick the 17. If I, if they're eating 1300 and their resting is 1500, 
you know, I'll, I'll kind of find the sweet spot and start them there. And then the second thing I do is pick their macronutrients. And I, as we've talked about many times before, I'll start their protein as their number one goal. Well, the, so it's the thing that you bring up, right? The logging in first. So I see the reason why you do that, but there's another reason why I would have people log in their food journal mm-hmm. prior to me even setting that goal is let's say we're going back to that 1500 calorie resting metabolic rate person mm-hmm. and they're eating 1200 calories. Mm-hmm. You're eating at a deficit below your resting metabolic rate. And in that case, I actually need to feed you up in calories mm-hmm to maintenance possibly 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 because here's the thing if they're accurately journaling and they're accurately all right well let's assume accuracy okay if they're so, if they're 100 accurate and they're eating 1200 calories yes that's yes true. so and they're so not then, getting results so then we have to uh refeed you up yes, to your in, in a slow steady pace which we're going to get into uh yeah. reverse dieting for other reasons in this episode mm-hmm. but we're going to have to refeed you up to your maintenance in a slow, steady pace. And then we're going to have to then create an, another deficit. So yeah, you shouldn't really in that case, expect to lose the weight right away because you have to bring your metabolic rate back up. Yeah, that's probably one of the hardest places and the most common places that we I think you and I both have seen many women come in eating really low amount of calories and stalling out on their pro on their progress like they halt they can't lose any more weight or they can't change their body fat or they they can't push harder in their workouts and it's just simply because they've been there too long and we need to temporarily bring them up in calories so that the next time we cut them back down it actually creates change and it's tough for them to chew because it's yeah. like, wait a second, you're telling me to eat more and I'm trying to lose weight. I should be yeah. eating less. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you're already eating too little. Yeah. I and mean, I also think too, I've been really wa- watching how I say eating too little. I think a lot of it, which I know we're going to get to is eating too little of the nutrient dense foods that are going to actually help their body to create what we call fat loss forever, which is, you know, if you're eating if you're cutting out all the carbs in the world, which so many women do, or you're not eating enough fat or you're not eating enough protein at 1200 calories, that's a very different picture than someone that's eating good, healthy, quality food at 1200 calories. Yeah, but eating below your RMR is not sustainable and will lead to metabolic right. adaptations either way, regardless of what yes. you're eating. True, true, true. I know. I'm just making it a point that you won't feel as bad eating good quality food than crappy stuff. So that's how to create a calorie deficit. The long version. Right? <laughs> I'm I mean, sorry. We went, we went no, we but went we, way we, around. We, we I went can't not. It. We went into it. So and then the other thing you need to do, because we said that your uh, exercise activity thermogenesis, which is your eat, right? Mm-hmm. That is 10% of your energy expenditure. So you do want to make sure that you're doing strength training. You do want to make sure that you're getting daily exercise, whether it be at the gym or outside or whatever you're doing. Do mm-hmm. something that you enjoy. But we do advise, as always, we advise strength training because that will allow you to build lean muscle and raise your metabolic rate. So one of the things that I tell people is that there are two major contributing factors to like controlling your resting metabolic rate and mm-hmm. hormones are definitely going to affect your metabolic rate you have very little control over your hormones, right? Obviously, if you work Mm -hmm. out and you do squats and deadlifts and you get a restful night's sleep 
and you know, you're eating adequate nutrients, you're getting, you know, your zinc, your vitamin D, right? Like all those things obviously are going to help to optimize your hormone levels. Mm -hmm. Um, but outside of that, you have very little control over it, but what you do have a big control over is how much muscle you have, which is going to increase your resting metabolic rate and allow you to either eat more calories or, Mm -hmm. uh, just burn fuel more efficiently. Yeah. Yep. So strength training is advised. And the one piece of strength training is we always say that you want to follow a progressive overload strategy where you're you're a varying your program. So the exercises are going to change, but even when the exercises aren't changing, you're changing different variables like Mm -hmm. your rest intervals, or you're changing the amount of weight that you're using or the The number of the tempo, the number of reps, right? Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of different things that you can play around with, but Mm -hmm. you definitely want some change in your program. I don't want to go too in depth on the programming because then otherwise this will become a programming episode, (laughs) but you got to change it up. Yeah. You, ha- you can't be doing the same thing over and over again. You're not going to efficiently build muscle because it's not going to be a stress on the body. Focusing on whole foods. Mm-hmm. And one thing with focusing on whole foods. So with focusing on whole foods, I'm going to say you want to focus on fiber. You want to focus on nutrient dense foods and you want to focus on protein. Mm-hmm. You want to have that protein anchored strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why you want to focus on those nutrient dense, high fiber and high protein foods are because you want to be able to, along the way, while you're in a calorie deficit, you want to manage your hunger, energy, and cravings. Yes. Right? So energy is going to be, I think, more so from like a caloric intake standpoint. Are you eating too little? Do we need to kind of increase you a little bit? Are you eating nutrient-dense foods? Because that's going to affect your energy levels. The hunger piece and the cravings piece, I think, is more so going to be managed by eating high fiber and uh, predominantly protein anchored diet. Mm -hmm. So the other piece to protein and getting adequate protein in is obviously we mentioned resistance training, but you're not going to build muscle if you're not getting adequate protein. So definitely want to make sure you get adequate protein. And Nicole, do we have a general recommendation for protein intake? We do. Which is? One gram per pound of body weight. Okay. That's my recommendation. Yep. I would say anywhere from as a starting point, 0.8 to 1 gram per pound of body weight. I don't want to kind of complicate things by working in kilograms right now. (laughs) Uh, What what I will say is like maybe you want to start off at 80 percent and then 80 percent of your body weight and then move on to 100 percent. Yeah. Just to kind of slowly increase your protein intake. You definitely want to spread your protein throughout your meals. Mm-hmm. You want to increase muscle protein synthesis to build muscle, right? Mm-hmm. And for the ladies out there, we're not talking about getting jacked. You're not going to get jacked. <laughs> You're not going to walk around looking like a man by just lifting eating some protein. weights and eating more protein. <laughs> you have to be in a calorie surplus to do that. Yeah, which is very confusing for people to understand the difference between building muscle and burning fat. You can't really build muscle in a calorie deficit unless you're like super brand new. Yeah. to exercise. And what I will say is that protein essentially is kind of muscle. It's just muscle sparing. When you're in a deficit, you want to make sure that you're maintaining as much muscle as you can. Right. Because that that is going to help you to keep your resting metabolic rate up and kind of mitigate some of the effects of that adaptation oh. that you're going to yeah. be getting. I was going to say we should talk about like types of protein. I know we talk about meat, fish, poultry, dairy, eggs, blah, blah, blah. But what let's talk about the difference. A lot of my clients ask me like, what are clean sources of protein versus more fattier sources of protein? And what's the difference when I'm trying to build muscle or maintain my muscle? Just eat protein. I mean, listen, <laughs> I, I but think about it, but 
Well, well, um, is it better to eat a whole egg with the yolk than egg whites? So I'm a huge macro guy and I coach a lot with macros. So mm-hmm. it depends. Okay. You know, when we talk about building your meal plan, it's, mm-hmm. you know, let's start with protein and then whatever calories you have left. Mm-hmm. You split. You can split. Or you can split balance. really however you want. It doesn't yeah. matter. My preference is 40% carbs, 30% protein, 30% fat. I find it very effective. I find it satiating. I find it to be a moderate amount of carbohydrates, not too high, uh, to allow you to still perform in the gym. Yeah. And I find the fat to be, you know, on the enough fat to, you know, maintain healthy hormones, right? Because that's Mm -hmm. important as well to get good amount of fat, but also good quality fat. Yeah. So it depends based on what you're your macro settings are within your calories of the choices of food that you would then use. Yeah. So, you know so what I'm saying? I'm trying to like some, make a point so, so, so people but get some that. People, some people will have a preference in terms of what they just naturally gravitate to. Right. Yeah. So you, you and I talked about this with Bill Campbell, mm-hmm. right? When we spoke to Bill Campbell and it's like, just split the difference. However you want, you can split it 50, 50, mm-hmm. you can split it 60, 40, you could split it 70, 30, like doesn't matter. Uh, as long as you're in that deficit and you're consuming adequate protein, Mm-hmm. Now, will there be something that might be a little bit more optimal for you versus yeah. somebody else? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of for you to figure out. My baseline, though, when people are working with me mm-hmm. is more than likely going to be 40, 30, 30, unless they just really can't adhere to that. Yeah. I just got a new client this week that's 50% car. It's a female and she's eating 50% carbs. And then we split her protein and fat and she's like dropping weight like crazy. And she used to be a power lifter. Right. Well, because she's still in that deficit. Exactly. And she's been doing great with her calories. And I've been upping her carbs, upping her carbs. And she's been petrified. I'm like, trust me, you need it. Your body is responding every time we dial it up. I mean, I do. You know me. And at this point, our listeners, if you listen to enough of our podcast, I'm slow at lifting calories or macros. And I'm very slow at cutting them back. I'm not really very aggressive simply because a lot of my females are afraid to either eat more calories, eat less calories and change their macros. They're so nervous about change that I go, I'm very ginger with my changes. It's been so much fun coaching her because she's like, feed me the carbohydrates. What does ginger with your changes mean? Meaning that I'm very like slow and cautious. Are you saying, are you saying ginger people are slow? (laughs) Not ginger, the color people, like the hair color of a person. Ginger in, I'm gentle. Maybe I should use a different word. I'm gentle. Every time, every time I think ginger, I just think ginger. You think redhead? I think of that South Park episode with the gingers where Carmen was discriminating against gingers. Oh, geez, don't put me out. No, come on. (laughs) No, no, I don't. No, 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 that's not what I meant. So moving along. Okay. The macro split is, you know. Keep personal keep, preference, keep a decent amount of protein in every meal and split the difference and still mm-hmm. be within your caloric range. And then the other thing is you don't necessarily need to keep. And this is something that you were alluding to before, Nicole. You don't necessarily need to keep in a specific calorie. Right. So if you are in, let's say you're in a 2000 calorie group, mm-hmm. I might say, hey, you know what? Hit the mark of about like that's your deficit. That's where we want to put you at. Mm-hmm. Hit, hit the mark of like 1900 and 2100 and be mm-hmm. in that range. And then yeah. you'll still be fine. You'll still be in a deficit because you're never going to hit it exact. No. And that's one of the reasons why I bring up the ranges because 
so many clients and maybe our listeners can understand this, get so fixated on 1900. I have to hit exactly 1900. Mike, you're never going to get that clear, perfect number. So don't be so rigid. Also, if you're trying to be perfect all the time, it's, I don't care how type A you are. It's it's exhausting (laughs) and it's not, it's not sustainable. So that's where the forever piece comes. Exactly. Give yourself a little bit of flexibility. Yeah. And the other thing that I'm going to say is allow yourself some foods that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in it for the long haul, you know, I don't let, don't, Listen, I when I was bodybuilding, I used to label things as cheat meals mm-hmm. I, and it was fine because that's what we were doing. But back then it was acceptable and now, it didn't create like all this hoo-ha yeah. of now, everything. Listen, now you can't do that. You can eat foods that you enjoy and stay within that caloric range and still lose body fat. Yeah. But here's the thing. That doesn't mean it's a free go food. and eat <laughs> like shit all day and stay in a calorie deficit because that's not going to serve you from a health standpoint and right. from uh, from a standpoint of maintaining your progress, right? You're mm-hmm. if you eat crap and you're like, I'm in a calorie deficit, but you're hungry all the time because you're eating empty carbs. That's right. not going to serve your purpose. Right. So make sure that, you know, sprinkle in a little crap here and there, but not as like a daily thing. Yeah. Not as an every meal thing. I think I always say this. I'm like, it, it depends on the person too. Like, I always use wine as an example because all my ladies want to drink wine. If it's not going to get you to your goal, depends on the part. The, the bottom line is it depends on the person. Some of my ladies can drink wine. They got like a, a wooden leg and it doesn't even affect their progress. But some of my women drink wine and it really, really affects their their progress. So unfortunately, they can't drink the wine as much. All right. So since you bring up the wine, I have a thing with the <laughs> alcohol. The alcohol. I know I am. I am convinced after years of looking at people's food journals mm-hmm. when they initially come on with me, there are so many people that are alcoholics that don't even know that they're alcoholics. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not even kidding. And it's no, disturbing. It's disturbing. I'm, I'm only they're laughing like, because they're like, I take I take, you know, like two shots. During, I take I take two shots of tequila during the day and then I take like four more at night and then I pass out and I do that over and over again every day. Mm-hmm. And they kind of feel like they need it because oh, I had a stressful day at work. Yeah, things are, yeah. And I'm like, if you need alcohol, you should be having a different conversation with somebody else, not me, <laughs> because I'm serious, like a lot of people and they don't think about it because it's not really affecting, quote unquote, per se. Right. Like it's not per- affecting their day to day, but mm-hmm. it the functioning alcoholic it, is basically it, what you're talking. You're, about. you're an alcoholic and that's <laughs> affecting your body. This one's this one's difficult because you I mean, anybody that's worked with me, if any of my clients are listening to this podcast, they know that I'm pretty hardcore when it comes to alcohol in terms of not having it. And I love tequila. We'll have shots of tequila when I go out with my friends, but I do not drink when I'm, I will never have a shot of tequila randomly at home on a Tuesday night cooking dinner. Like That just doesn't happen. But I think the stress factor for that and people using it as a way to relax, calm down, de-stress, maybe even, you know, if, you're sitting down with your husband or your wife and you're, you know, going about your daily, like what happened during the day and catching up. There's like a camaraderie of having a glass of wine together and it's, you know, chill and relaxed. Like all those things are kind of wrapped up when we talked uh, about layering habits. Right. So that all gets kind of balled into it. So I don't think it's just alcohol. It's also like the reason why you're having it. What are you doing to manage your stress? And that needs to be addressed. 
Right. Exactly. All right. So there we are. We just kind of sidetracked a decent <laughs> amount, but that's fat loss, right? So those are the components that you need for fat loss. Mm-hmm. You need to track your all the things that we just said. Yeah, you gotta get you gotta get on point, and you can't say you can't so guess. Now here comes the forever piece. So you've lost body fat because you've followed all of the strategies that we just discussed, and you lost the thirty pounds in under six months because you're a rock star, <laughs> and you just you're undershot good. you undershot yeah. your goal, and you're just a fucking beast and you're like four months in and you've lost 30 pounds Mm -hmm. you're not done there you now need to maintain that maintain that but you also have to bring yourself back up to maintenance and this comes back to the reverse dieting that we spoke about before Mm -hmm. well sometimes well here's the thing someone can actually stay there right like say they hit their 30 pound weight loss goal and they just want to coast for a couple months and enjoy staying there and continue to keep those habits going there can be a space in between. Yes, but let's say you've done that. You've sustained it. You can't live there. No, forever, but I just wanted to bring right? that up. You're ruining my Everything. story here, Nicole. Everything is an option. Okay, You're ruining my story. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, Drone. I had the story about <laughs> Betty, and she lost 30 pounds, and she was a rock star. And Betty, now, okay. And, and now she wants to go back to maintenance. So, All right, bring it on. So Betty wants to get back to maintenance. So if you want to go back to maintenance, so First wait, so all, Betty started at 1500 was her resting and then you had her eating at 1700 and she lost 30 pounds at 1700 calories. Yeah, we played around a little bit throughout, played a little throughout, around. throughout, you know, we brought her down to 16. Yeah. You know, she went we up kind to of played 18. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. we played around with her calories. She's so lost now a bunch what's of her maintenance? What's Betty's maintenance? Her new maintenance? Yeah, what's her new maintenance? Well, after now she that lost she's lost weight? 30 pounds. I forgot what her old maintenance was. 2000? 2000, I think. Yeah. <laughs> So her new maintenance is 1,800 calories. Okay. So basically, if she was eating between 16 and 1,700, she was almost at maintenance anyway. Her new Yeah. So, so let's say she was at 1,600. We just got to increase her by 200 calories. It, right. That's it is not that much. No. So what you, what you have to realize is that your new maintenance is based on your new body weight. Right. And right? body fat. Muscle so ratio. You're, okay. you're, your maintenance is going to go down. So now you're going to recalculate your maintenance again, plug in your new weight into a Mifflin equation, recalculate, find what your maintenance Mm -hmm. is, and then slowly increase your calories up to that new maintenance. Now you can do hundred calories a week, or you can do hundred calories every other week, or you can do 200 calories every other week, whatever is going to work for you. Now, why the slow increase back up to your new maintenance? The slow increase back up to your new maintenance to avoid putting on excess body fat. Let your metabolic adaptation catch up. Your uh, let your metabolism kind of start to increase as you slowly increase and introduce new calories. And those calories can really pretty much be wherever you want them. You can add a little bit more protein. You can add some fat. You can add some carbohydrates. Whatever you prefer. Just slowly bring yourself back up to your new maintenance, and that's a place that you can live at now. Right potentially you've created new goals and you're like, Hey, you know what? I want to continue to be a rock star and I want to build some more muscle. (laughs) So then you're going to go beyond your maintenance, hundred, 200, maybe 300 calories slowly. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to start building muscle and reevaluating and going through that whole process again. But that is now somebody who is now call it a year into their process, nine months to a year into their process. And they've really dedicated that time. Now you're not done at that point. You want fat loss forever. 
So you want to make sure that these things that you've been doing, your exercise habits, you're getting your steps in, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, increasing your steps, you're eating healthy, nutrient-dense foods, getting predominantly protein, right? That just needs to become the new norm for you. And it does over time. I like, um, I can't remember who said this, but I, when I learned it, I thought it was pretty incredible is that your calories and your macros and your goals are always going to be like a moving target. They're never going to stay in one place. So you're constantly reevaluating and, you know, making small changes when you get to a place where you no longer care about your body weight or your body fat and you want to maintain, then you can stay there, but you still may have a moving target of your maintenance calories themselves. If you're going through tons of stress or something changes in life, or if you slow down your workouts, like all of those factors will always make that target something that you have to reevaluate, which is why yeah. I think, I, I think we love it so much. I mean, that's why I like going into the gym and changing my food plan and playing around is that you get the opportunity to play a bit. You get to play with your body and have control of it. It's cool. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why fat loss forever does not happen for people because they're afraid of that moving target. And they're so afraid to make change that they get so, um, what do they like white knuckle their goals? Like they squeeze so tight on that 1500 calories and they won't have any, you know, and they leeway. stay there, but then they have that metabolic adaptation. Their metabolism right. slows change. down and then they, they end up gaining some weight back. Now, yeah. What I will say is if you fa fast forward, let's say five years later, and you've been, you've developed those habits, you've consistently trained on a regular basis, and you've built a decent amount of lean muscle mass, you've, your metabolism's rocking. And then let's say something happens in your life, some tragic event, and you take three months off and just completely fall off the rails. Guess what? After five years of doing that, you're going to see some change in your body, but not as fast. People are going to look at you and be like, you're still in shape. I can't believe you haven't worked out in three months. Like people look at yeah. me when I've taken stints off and I'm like, I just don't want to, I'm busy with stuff. I, I don't want to work out right now. Right. And I'll take like a month or two off. And it's like, you're still in shape and you haven't worked out. Why? Well, because it's been 15 years of my life since I started working out. Mm -hmm. Right. And I get back into the gym and I'm still able to build muscle relatively quickly. And people are like, you just look at a dumbbell and you gain, <laughs> you gain muscle like and I'm like, yeah, because my body's just adapted to that environment. My body yeah. now responds well to that. But well, you need to give um, yourself the time to create create that that, that type of I mean, that takes, that takes years. Right. And that is like that's fat loss forever. Yeah, that's being metabolically flexible, right? You can have times where your body's metabolism is on point and on fire and you're going and you're, you know, creating change, but then you also can take breaks and your body is flexible enough to adhere to that break without it causing too much of a change to your system. That metabolic flexibility is your body's way of being able to have that ebb and flow without such drastic changes, tons of weight gain, tons of weight loss, health changes in between when you gain the weight or if you lose the weight, things of that nature. Your body becomes more metabolically efficient, right? Yeah. There are a ton of things going on. Your body's creating more mitochondria. Energy is produced more efficiently. Your mm -hmm. body's better at metabolizing nutrients, you know, turning carbs into energy, breaking yeah. down fatty acids. You handle acid. stress better, it, it all the things. Yep, yep. It doesn't store as much fat as it used to, right? Mm -hmm. So it's your hunger and satiety cues are in check. Mm-hmm. So it's and, and this is where we get into and Nicole, I'm going to bring this up because assholes like to, uh, <laughs> you know, bring up uh, intuitive eating in a way where it doesn't exist.
but this is where like intuitive eating comes because down the road you're intuitively eating your protein portions you know what they look like mm -hmm. you're putting together meals intuitively you've done a great job and and you just have a, a real deeper understanding of how food affects your body yeah. and your own body's cues yeah and you're able to kind of be more flexible with yourself and mm -hmm. intuitively do things and not really listen obviously if you uncover a new goal that you want to hit you're going to have to get back onto right. a little bit more, yeah yeah reel it back in but you can basically essentially even if you wanted to after years and years and years of training you can intuitively eat your way through life yeah because your body already is there. Like the difference between eating once you have a foundation and know what your body, like if you know you're, you thrive on 40, 30, 30 in terms of your macros, and that's all you have to do to bring it back in to make change, then you can intuitively eat 40, 30. Like, you know what it looks like. I mean, I, I know my meals now backwards, forwards, and inside out from years of counting calories and counting macros. I mean, I know what it's 45 a no grams of carbs is. It's a cup of rice. And I know what a cup of rice uh, looks like, you know, give or take a, a tiny bit. But, you know, I can. Yeah, but I think I think what for our listeners, you have to learn what that all you have to go through the learning process to get to that point. And then you can have the flexibility to, you know, uh, but it's live year, that way. It's years and you kind of have to master it. Right. Like think yeah. about mastering something. Right. Let's say you want to get a master's in, 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 a, in a subject in school. Mm -hmm. right? It takes you six years to get that master's, right? Four years of undergrad, two, <laughs> two years of uh, grad school, one, one year of grad mm -hmm. school if you're lucky, right? But yeah. so let's talk about six, six years that it takes you to master something. So why wouldn't you treat your fitness and your exercise the same way that you did college, right? If I have a client that got a yeah. master's degree and they know what it took to master their subject, first of all, they finished that and they still haven't really mastered it because they still have to you go have into to the have field, experience, right? And they yeah. have to get that experience, right? So what we're talking about at face value here yeah. is, is the amount of time that it's going to take you to become experienced enough with your body mm -hmm. and with the changes that you need to make to change your body so that you have a vast understanding Mm -hmm. of your own body. And this is what drives me nuts is people don't take responsibility of their bodies. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's yours. You live in it every single day. <laughs> you feel what your body feels like every yeah. single day. So why not take your entire life to understand how you work? You know, it's it. It doesn't make sense to me that, you know, it's I, I I'll give this example. I went to the doctor's office the other day for, you know, I, I want to get some routine blood work done. Mm -hmm. And the doctor is in and out. The doctor was like, okay, I'll be right back with X, Y, and Z. And then never came back. And the medical assistant just handed me the lab printout and Gee, said, paper. here, take this, take this to your lab. And, you know, you'll get the results back whenever. Right. Mm -hmm. The doctor never even came back. So who is it up to to like learn about our bodies? It's up to us to own the process. Yeah. And I know I'm getting a little bit more into like kind of the medical side of things where you need to own your own health. You need to understand more about mm -hmm. your your body, your history, your blood work, all that stuff. But it's the same thing, right? Like you need to take ownership of your body and your process. Mm -hmm. And nobody is going to do it for you. No coach is going to do it for you, right? Yeah. If you hire me as a coach, and you're not taking ownership of your process, there's only so much that I can do. Yeah, I say this all the time. I'm not here to babysit you. You have to do something. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to yep. educate you. My job mm -hmm. is to be an educator, guide you in the right direction, help you understand things better. Mm -hmm. 
and hope that you absorb that and you learn it and you take it seriously. And then you really become acquainted with how the body works, how your system works, how you're supposed to be feeling, how you've been Mm -hmm. feeling, how you're going to be feeling, right? All of these things are up to you to take control of. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're talking about fat loss forever and you're tired of the yo-yo and you're tired of dieting and you're tired of trying this fad and that fad and Mm -hmm. intermittent fasting and keto and not to say that those things are inherently bad, but you've tried these things over and over and over again and you've been getting the same results, which is no results or you've gotten (laughs) results and then you've lost those results, right? Mm -hmm. So it starts with you and it starts with taking ownership of your process and your body and really learning about it. I think that's it. I think so. I mean, I could continue to go on and on on this subject. Let's wrap it up here. We'll save it for next time. And ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share it with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 